uh, where we're on a series that we've called Devoted, The Spirit-Filled Life. And really our whole aim through the series is really the quest, one of the questions I guess we're asking you is, how's your love life, um, really, when it comes to God and, uh, and when it comes to um, really devotion to him? At the end of the day, that's... That's the main question, and I know, you know it sort of sounds a bit funny because we normally use that phrase, we're talking about something else, but um, at the end of the day, if you were to say, what, you know, what's the thing about, you know, what, what, is, what is God after, well it, it is, it's love, um, in the sense that if you, if you look back on the Old Testament, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself, Jesus said the whole of the law, Ten Commandments, and all the other Jewish laws, everything really is summed up in that simple statement, to love the Lord of all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and all that you are, to love him, and to love your neighbour. And then once that's taken care of, everything else follows. So your life just will begin to look like kind of a godly life. So that, that really, that, it's a really simple thing at the end of the day, and through the Devoted series, that's what we're looking at, and, we're, and the, the bottom line is we're saying that unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not really going to be, you're going to really struggle in terms of loving the Lord, in terms of working out a worshipful life, you're going to really find it hard. So that's what we're looking at with this series called um, Devoted. You see, Christianity is all it really about, it's about finding brand new life in Christ. It's really what it is. It's that, it's that you've, you've been born again so that you've, been, you've died to what was and you've been born as a brand new person. You look the same, physically the same, same history, um, same voice, but at your core, your moral centre's been changed. The miracles happened, whereas now, where before it was kind of like um, there was no innate love for God, now he's the first love. That's what happens when you're born again. And... If you're here and you're not a Christian and you think, that is, are you serious? Then I would just say, just get half an hour with anyone here who's a Christian, or maybe if you come with a friend, and just say, tell me about that. Is that really what it is? Because many people view it as more of an external thing. They think, well, if I become a Christian, I've got to follow this rule, follow that. And it's almost as if there's a list of rules on the outside that they've got to try and do, even though everything within them doesn't really want to. Was actually the heart of Christianity is the opposite of that. It says that the, the very desires and longings of God Himself are written into the heart, and so you're, you become a new person, and you just want to you just want to love Him and serve Him, and um, you don't go weird. It's not about you don't go strange and start wearing funny clothes. It's not like that. But internally, your your fundamental motivational drive changes. It's a miracle of God, and is all accomplished through what Christ has done, which we're going to look at um, today. But um, We've had the guys excited about that over there. And, um, now, today we're going to look at baptism, and that is, our, uh, that is our subject. If you're baptised, don't switch off at this point and think, well, I don't need to know about it. It's probably really great to hear about it again. I'm going to try and do quite a comprehensive talk on baptism that we can use as a resource and point people to. We'll do question and answer at the end. Um, and what, in everything I say, my aim today is not to be controversial, though the subject is controversial. Okay, so I'm not pursuing controversy, I'm not delighting in controversy, but it is controversial. So um, there will most likely be some questions at the end that we have to uh, look at. But it's very relevant that we look at baptism when we're looking at the Devoted series, because being baptised is, is about obeying Jesus. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And isn't that interesting? 
Because we tend to think of love very sentimental kind of way. If you, if you love me, you'll feel lots of warmth towards me. Or if you love me, you know, you'll buy me a Valentine's card. Or, you know, if you love me, um, you'll take me out for a meal. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Why? Because if, if, you, if you love someone, if you love Jesus, you trust him. Yeah? You trust that he is all that he said he is. You trust that he is the truth. You trust that he is all wise, all knowing, all powerful. And so in your act of trust in him, you're saying, I love you for who you are. And, uh, and, in, and, and so where talk can often be cheap, oh yeah, I love the Lord, da, da, da. Actually, Jesus says, no, if you love me, you'll do what I say because you really trust me. And so baptism is one of those things that Jesus commands, which we'll look at why as we go through. But I want to just show how relevant it is to the, devoted, to the devoted series. It's an expression of love for Jesus when you are baptized. You're saying, Jesus, you, owe, you command baptism and I love you, so I want to obey that. It's also a demonstration of new life, which is remarkable and Beautiful, because in baptism, what happens is, is that you go down into the water, signifying the fact that you have died. Because you, it, you can't just be born again without dying, because then there'll be two of you. That doesn't work. That's, that's, that, that's going to create confusion. And I think actually some Christians don't get this. They think they've just kind of been born again, so they kind of love Jesus now. But really, fundamentally, they're still also the same as what they were and kind of have this kind of dual, dualistic thing going on where they're kind of really not sure quite whether they are this new Christian person or whether really they're just kind of the same thing. Let me say, if you're really a Christian, the Bible says you've died with Christ which means that old heart and that old way, which may have been really nasty or may have been really nice, it's not really the point. The point is this, that it wasn't for your creator. It wasn't for God. has died. You've been buried with Jesus through baptism and raised up into newness of life. I, I love baptism because for me it gives one of the clearest pictures of what becoming a Christian actually entails. It speaks of being joined with Jesus in his death, in his burial, down into the water, and up, out into new life, cleansed in the conscience and uh, just enjoying him. So in that sense, I mean, it's, it totally fits with what we're looking at here. And you find that um, there's baptism all the way through the book of Acts, which is where we are kind of um, bedding down over this series. It's all the way through Acts. We'll pull out a few as we go through the message um, today. Also want to say by way of introduction, it's, uh, baptism is initiation into the Christian faith. Um, into the Christian life and getting a good start as a Christian is massively important. Um, let's think about natural birth for a moment. When someone is uh, uh, born naturally, there can be certain things sometimes, it's a delicate business, and there can be certain things sometimes if they don't go well, if, it, if the baby doesn't get enough oxygen or if other things don't go according to plan, then that baby is sure still, you know, thankfully alive, but actually there can be there can be effects of the fact that the birth is not what it ought to have been and things went wrong. And, and actually sometimes effects that last, li- last a lifetime. And that's just, that's, that's, that's the harsh realities of life. These things happen sometimes. Well, it's similar spiritually. That when, you, when you're born again, when you, when you come to know Christ, there are, there are certain things that should happen and if they don't, it can affect you negatively. It can mean you don't get off to the, the, quite the right start. Sure, you're alive to God, you're born again, you're a new person, but you kind of limp in a bit or something's not quite right. And it, you can often trace it back to, the, to, the, to your birth, to when you became a Christian. So thankfully, I, I mean, when I became a Christian 20 years ago, I was 18, and um, so I repented of my sins, I turned away from, stopped running from God and started running to God, trusted in Jesus, that he'd um, died in my place so that I could be totally forgiven. And then I was... Um, I, I, that was in, in the August 1991. 
ancient history. And then in the November, was baptised. Um, uh, because I was in a church where people said, okay, now, now that's what you do. You don't just kind of sit it out until you get some kind of feeling. That's what you do now. You see initiation. So a few months later, was, was baptised, was wonderful, fantastic, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Just got off to a good start. And that's what we want for you. That's what we, we just want. Anyone who comes around us who's either just become a Christian or been a Christian a long time or, or just thinking, asking the questions. There'll be numbers of people here most Sundays who aren't Christians but are just looking, asking. We, well, our heart, our commitment is that if you come to know Christ, we want to get you off to the best start possible. And even if it means tackling a few issues that can be a bit thorny or a bit um, emotional, controversial, we want to gently just do that just to get you off to an excellent and a brilliant start. So I'm going to just start, we'll start with Acts 2, and um, if you've got a Bible with you, turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm just going to read uh, whereby, where Peter, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on the church, they're speaking in languages that they've never learned before supernaturally, everyone's either amazed or they're perplexed, uh, they're thinking, wow, this is God at work, or they're thinking, man, these guys are drunk, it's a crazy scene. Peter stands up and preaches to them, and um, we are, we are told uh, in Acts 2, verse 37, after they've heard Peter preach, it says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. They say, what shall we do? He says, repent, which means change the way you think. Turn away, turn away from this kind of... Um, lifestyle fundamentally of um, either self-righteous or self-resourcing, this kind of sense in which you you don't want to be connected with your maker, but you want to carve your own path through. Turn away from that and turn to him and be baptised and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. That's how it works. And uh, this this is the word of God. And he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You see, with Jesus, even, even Jesus was baptised as someone who wasn't a sinner. Think, wow, why was Jesus baptised? Well, we'll look at that in a minute. But you find that order there in the same place. Jesus obviously doesn't repent, he hasn't sinned, but he's baptised and he comes out of the water and he, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. You find, it, you find it in Acts 8, you find it in Acts 9, you find it in Acts 10, you find it in Acts 19. People come to know Christ, are baptised in water, and are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's how it works. It's God's plan. It's God's, it's God's, it's God's order, if you like. So we're going to just dig into this. I'm going to ask three questions about baptism, and we'll try and answer them. And they're going to go like this. Uh, baptism, what me? Baptism, what now? Baptism, but how? Okay, uh, I hope you like that. So um, that was really the peak of the sermon. So uh, it's not going to get much better than that. Um, but there you go. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to be a little bit cheeky at this point. Sorry all you Anglicans or ex-Anglicans out there. But I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, I'm going to stop calling it baptism. I'm going to try my best to stop calling it baptism from this point on in the message. Because it's such a darn religious word. I say baptism, you could be hearing anything. So I'm just going to call it what it means, which is immersion. Um, that's what the word means. It means to dip. It means, it, means, it, that's, it means to sink. So it wasn't a religious word originally. You'd see a boat sinking out in the sea. Oh, look, it's being baptised. And then that word was then used and taken to mean it. So I want to call it that. Not, and I'm, I'm not being tricky. I've thought about this. Thought, I'm not being tricky, am I? I'm just trying, let's just try and shake off everything extra, get down to the biblical bones of the thing, and just call it what it is. 
and then we'll see how we get on. But my heart in it is not to be tricky at all. So immersion. What me? So who should be immersed? All believers. All believers should be uh, immersed in the water. Like I say, even Jesus, the sinless one, modelled it. And you think, well, why would... Jesus, why did you do that? Because the Bible's clear you committed no sin. Being baptised is kind of saying, you know, my old life's done away with you. You didn't have an old life. Jesus, why? Here's why. Because he came to identify with us in every way. Okay? So he came, he, he died the death of a sinner, of a criminal on a cross. You think, why? Because we're criminals. That's why he died the death of a criminal, because morally, we are all criminals. Whether you've ever broken the law or not, before God... Dearly loved that we are also morally criminals is how we're viewed. So in that sense, Jesus died the death of a criminal. Why? To identify with us, to to do that, if you like, in our to die in our place. And the whole time, Jesus is fully identifying with us and he's really answering the question of those who say, well, if there is a God, then why doesn't he come down and show himself and do something? He's saying, I, I am. I'm here and that's what I'm doing. Okay, so that's the claim. The claim is that this God, who everyone shakes their fist at, saying, why doesn't he come down and do something, has. And so he comes and, and, and he, he gets baptised. And even John the Baptist, who's baptising him, is like, oh no, you should be baptising me. John's feeling really awkward about it. And Jesus just says, permit it for now, just to fulfil all, right, all righteousness. Jesus knows it's all part of God's plan, just permit it. So John, just feeling really awkward, takes a hold of God in the flesh. And baptises him. I mean, can you, can you imagine? It's just like, oh man. So he comes, out, comes up again. And then in that moment, as he comes out of the water, the heavens open and two things happen. There's a voice, with, the father's voice, which says, this is my son whom I love. Um, listen to him, or with him I'm well pleased. And uh, so, that's, so the spirit comes on him in the form of a dove and there's this voice from heaven saying, this is my son. So Jesus at this point is being filled with the spirit and part of being filled with the Spirit is that you know you're a son of God. We're looking at that next three weeks. Baptism in the Holy Spirit for three weeks after this week. Three weeks in a row, we're going to really, really get into that. And then also Jesus starts doing miracles and amazing things. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you're empowered for service. So we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. But I want to just say Jesus modelled it for us. Um, when Jesus sent his disciples to make disciples, he said, you're going to do two things primarily. Teach them to obey me and baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. See, the same thing in Mark 16. He says to his disciples, go and preach the gospel to all creation. Those who believe and are baptised will be saved. So it's absolutely Jesus' expectation that those who come to follow him will be baptised. That's absolutely um, fundamental. I would say it's central to the Bible, baptism. I would say it's really not peripheral. It's a central thing. If you look at the teaching of baptism, the centrality of it, the book of Acts, everyone's always getting baptised. It's a big, big deal. And so if someone is not willing to be baptised, I would say they're not ready to be a believer. So if someone came up to me and said, Steph, I want to become a Christian after hearing you talk today, I'd say, well, I mean, it would be pretty hard after today to do that and think, but I don't want to be baptised. But anyway, if you said, but I don't want to be baptised, I'd say, hey, look, you just need some time to think about it. Let's not make some kind of prayer and say you're a Christian then, because at the moment you're saying you're not willing to be baptised. But if you're saying you want to make Jesus Lord and he says be baptised, then that means you've got to do that. So let's just hold off and um, you need some more time to think, do I really want to make Jesus Lord of my life? Let's not just pray prayers and then actually not follow through. That's a bad way to start. So in that sense, you know, it's a, it's a big, big deal. Um, who, what me? Yes, if you're following Jesus. Yeah? Not, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about what background you've come from, whether you're family or Christians or not. I'm saying if you have decided to follow Jesus, he says to you, 
be baptised. That's his command. So, secondly, what now? So, when? When are you to be baptised? Well, if baptism is the initiation into the Christian faith, then I would say that um, you become a Christian, then you get baptised. That's how. You haven't got to wait two years. You haven't got to wait to mature. You haven't got to wait till you understand everything. So I think I've spoken to people who says, I don't, I don't understand enough yet. I'm like, Lord, like I do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. I get the eternity of God. I get the Trinity. I don't. I don't get that I know and serve one who's got no beginning and no end. I don't think I ever will. You know, I mean, I remember having a cup of coffee with a Jehovah's Witness recently, and he, and he was saying, this Trinity doesn't make sense. I said, mate, so many things about God I don't get. It's not just a trinity. You know, do you get the eternity of God? He's like, well, no. It's like, well, exactly. We worship. We, he's revealed himself, and so we know him. It doesn't, doesn't mean we get everything about him. Of course we don't. But we, he's revealed enough of himself for, for, to turn our lives upside down, right? So, you know, we love him and we want to we wanna obey him. So, there's, so baptism is an initiation. Um, at this point, you might start saying, well, what, what about infant baptism? It, it, it's, not to, it's not to do with the age of the person. It's not that I don't believe in kids getting baptised. I don't believe in unbelievers getting baptised. So it's not about whether you're an adult or a child. It's, that you're, it's, it's what a believer does. It's, 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 it's an act of faith. I've come to know Christ, now I'm going to be baptised. You, you can't find anywhere in the Bible where someone is baptised and then comes to know Christ. It doesn't, you just won't find it in there. So it's, an, it's, it's the initiation into the Christian faith. Um, and uh, maybe we'll just look at the arguments for babies being baptised for a little while, look at that, and just, I want to just present that and bring that around. So these are the arguments, these are why we don't uh, believe in that. Again, not to be deliberately controversial, but just, we, if I didn't talk about it, it would be like the elephant in the room. You'll be thinking, why hasn't he mentioned that? So I'm going to mention that, okay? Um, what are the arguments for infant baptism? Here they are. Number one, um, people who believe in babies being, should be baptised would say this, um, that since Jesus has come, Baptism has replaced circumcision. So before Jesus came, the people of God would be circumcised, at least the guys would, um, as, and it was the kind of the physical sign that they were part of God's people. And so that stops now because it's not, just a, it's not like a, just a Jewish thing anymore. It's the whole world. And, and so now baptism is what, is what we do. That's, that's how the argument um, goes. Um, what I would say to that is this, is that mm, the new covenant... Following God since Jesus has come is different from the old. Number one, like we said, it's not ethnic, that's right, it's not an ethnic thing. So whereby then it would make sense to circumcise your child. Why? Because, well, because they're my child they're, and I'm part of God's people and they're descended from me, they are going to be too. It doesn't work like that anymore. It doesn't work. So my children are not Christians because they're my children. Yeah? They're not, and you might say, but they're pastor's kids. Even so. They need to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ themselves and become Christians. Um, they don't get in <laughs> because they're my children. Hopefully, they, you know, there's kind of a, I don't know how to put it, you know, they benefit from the fact that we teach them about Jesus from a young age. But we are, I am, you know, I would never co- coerce my children to become Christians. I'll t- bring them up in the instruction of the Lord, but I know that each of them has to come to a point where they say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I, I cannot... Cross that, cross that, cross over into making that decision for them. That is really ungodly, really wrong. Wouldn't, really wouldn't do that. So I present it, obviously I'll exalt, hopefully I model um, following Christ well. And all these things hopefully can contribute. And my greatest prayer, two prayers for my kids. Number one, that they would get saved. Number two, that we'd be, that we'd be friends. 
Um, we'd be friends with them when they're older. That's the two things. They could do what they like for a job. You know, I just, they're the two things. Lord, please save them, and I'd be, love to be their friends when they're older. So that, but that's between, ultimately, they have to stand before God. So, so, okay, so I wanted to just sort of make that clear. So it's not that they get in because they're descended from me. That it, the way in is through faith, which must be expressed personally. So in that sense, that's why I wouldn't baptise our children until they're ready to say, I want to follow Christ, then we'll gladly baptise them. But it comes out of their confession and their faith and them knowing what they are doing. So that's an important one. Also, just to say, all, all those who were circumcised weren't necessarily the people of God in the, Old, in the Old Testament. So Abraham would have circumcised Ishmael as well as Isaac. So it didn't guarantee that you were part of God's people anyway. So I was, would just say that. Um, another argument is this, is that... Um, if you are in a Christian home, then doesn't Paul say something about you're made holy anyway? So you're kind of you're made holy if you're kind of married to a, a believer, if you're the child of a believer. He does say something like that, but he's not talking about that. He did not say that you're a Christian. I'll read it to you. I know this is a bit obscure for some of you. You probably think, what's this guy talking about? But for some some, some of this stuff is really relevant for some of you guys. So just enjoy the relevant bits, right? And uh, Switch off politely when they're not relevant. Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 7, I want to read to you from verse 12 to 16. Um, so, okay. To the rest, I say, I am not the Lord. What he means by that is, is, this, is this isn't a direct teaching from Jesus, but it's something that Paul, by the Holy Spirit's inspiration, is teaching. That if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, so you've got a married couple and they're married already, and then, and then one of them becomes a Christian, okay? Um, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Right, so it sounds like, wow, is, this, is Paul saying that... If people are married to someone who's not Christian, that they kind of become holy as kind of, they become right with God as if they're saved. He's not saying that because you just need to read on. Wife, how do you know whether you will save your husband? Husband, how do you know whether you will save your wife? So you, it's, what Paul, Paul is not saying that if, you're, if you are married to someone who's not a Christian, they're immediately saved because of their identification with you. That's not how it works. He's saying there's a sense of holiness. In what sense? Well, I guess in the sense that you kind of, God doesn't just view us as, as individuals. God honours the family massively. God sees married people as one as well as as two. God honours that. And so if you, as a believer, maybe, you're, maybe two people are married, don't know the Lord, one gets saved and is made right with God. And so God, because he views a married couple as one, in a sense, that person becomes holy. In a sense, there's a sense in which to that person believe and they're joined together. There's, a, there's benefits in, in, in that sense. There's a sense in which they've kind of been set apart as one. But they're not saved. They need to come to Christ himself to be saved. Paul makes it clear in the same passage. So the point I'm making is this. Is again, just by association is not, is not how the Bible presents salvation. Salvation is, a, is, a, is something that happens on an individual basis. Um, also, would just say this... Um, so it's a bit, it's a, the, the notes are actually a bit messy. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, in Colossians 2, where, where Paul picks up this thread that baptism and circumcision are kind of similar, which is why you, people make, make the argument that in the New Covenant, well, baptisms replace circumcision, so let's just baptise the babies. Paul says this in Colossians 2, verse 11. He says, 
In Christ also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So it was a kind of circumcision, but it was a different kind of circumcision. It wasn't made with hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. So Paul here is linking a kind of a, he's saying your baptism is kind of like a circumcision. You're sort of putting off the flesh in that sense. So he's using it as he's a parallel illustration. And then he says, verse 13, and you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh but God made you alive together with Christ having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands so then he's saying actually but listen you and you were baptised it wasn't just that through the baptism um, you know you've kind of been saved he's saying you were made alive with Christ God did a miracle on you where he made you born again where he gave you that new heart I was talking about earlier and as a result of that you were baptised and you put off the flesh through the act of baptism but he's not saying that through being baptised, this happens to you, which is some of the line of argument for those who are baptised babies. They would say, some would say, in baptising you, you are now a Christian. The Bible says, no, through repentance and faith, you are made alive to God. And then and you become a Christian. And, and then that is immediately expressed, you're initiated into that through the act of baptism and then receiving the Holy Spirit. So that's the kind of argument and that's how, we, that's how we roll with it here. Every New Testament baptism is precursored by repentance and faith. Galatians 3.27 says that those who are baptised are those who have put on Christ. So when you put on Christ, then you are baptised as a, as a result of the fact you've put on Christ. Both Jesus and the apostles commanded baptism as an expression of faith and repentance. So that's so baptism when? When you become a Christian. As soon as possible. Whenever, whenever you can get in some water publicly with some other, uh, uh, some other believers around you. I mean, it's great if you can do it on a Sunday. It's brilliant. Just get everyone around and celebrate together. But it's not vital. You could, you could validly be baptised in your gospel community. But it's always something public. It's something before others, a demonstration that I've come to know Christ and I'm doing away with the old and coming into the new. Finally, baptism. But how? Um, why did God choose immersion? And this gets a bit tricky at this point. Um, the Hebrew and the Greek word, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New, both mean to immerse or dip or sink in water. Even the Orthodox Church agrees with this. And when they baptise babies, they submerge them. Amazing. So the, the Orthodox Church, the Eastern Church, they get that that's, this is what the word means. So when they get the little bubbles and do it, it's no sprinkling Bang, they put them right under the water. Uh, in, the, in the Dutch Bible, they, they translate the word properly, so John the Baptist is called John the Dipper. <laughs> Don't you like that? John the Dipper in the, um, in the, in the Dutch Bible. It's brilliant, isn't it? Um, in Mark 1 verse 5, um, we're t- uh, if we go to that, we, Jesus' baptism here, we, there's a very interesting phrase which is really helpful. It says, All the country of Jude- Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, John the Baptist, and were being immersed by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So that's what was happening. They're going to John the Baptist, they're confessing their sins, and he's immersing them in the river Jordan. That's how it was. That's how it worked. Um, John 3.23, we're told that um, John the Baptist used a particular part of the Jordan River because there was a lot of water there because you needed to actually submerge and sink people. Um, in Mark 1 verse 10, at Jesus' baptism, we're told when he came out of the water, the heavens opened and the dove descended on him. So the, the terminology is pretty clear, pretty straightforward um, there. Acts 38, uh, the, Philip and the eunuch, they're in the chariot and the eunuch says, stop. Can I get baptised? Look, there's lots of water here. So they find a lake. So again, why? Because he needed to be 
submerged. Um, someone who converts to Judaism in the old times and even now is baptized. I was reading that on the internet too. I didn't, wasn't aware of that. It says that someone, whenever people converted to Judaism, then and now it said they are immersed. Um, there are some references to sprinkling in the New Testament, but none of them in relation to baptism. So it's more to do with our conscience being sprinkled, etc., etc. It's used figuratively. Um, so I want to ask, is it, is it just, well, is it important? Is it, it's water, for goodness sake. Sprinkled, dunk, it's water. What's the big deal? Well, I want to look at biblical kind of symbolism. I don't like the word because the word's not used in the Bible. But when certain things God says, do this physically because it represents something, is it important that it actually physically represents the thing or not? It seems that it is, biblically. And baptism is representing the fact you've died and been buried and come up a new, new life again, which is why we do it like that. Does that matter, for goodness sake? Can't you just kind of, I don't know, can't we just sort of line up and water gun? Do you know, can't, what's the big deal? Yeah? Just, I'm using a silly illustration, but I'm trying to, does it matter? Is it, is it important or not? I've done a fair bit of uh, just thinking about this and, and stuff. And I've tried to think about um, some other kind of situations whereby... So the, the controversial issue of head coverings, which I'm not going to get into, but I'm going to m- refer to it because uh, the whole head covering thing is to do with sim- authority and headship. So whether or not you do it, the issue is about the actual thing you do physically fitting with the idea spiritually. So there, so there I'm just trying to use that as an example. I'm going to use some others. That things, uh, physical, spiritual things that happen are when they are designed by God to represent the spiritual truth. Sexual intercourse is another one, which is obviously in so many people's minds so secularised that we won't think about it like this, but I guess you could almost say that it's a sacrament of marriage in that sense, that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a physical act that speaks of, in its, in its vivid uh, imagery, it speaks of what has happened when that couple has got married, that they have left their other primary relationships in their life as primary relationships and said, I'm going to be with you. We are going to be one. That is Christian marriage. The, 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 the man and the woman leave and cleave to one another and they become one flesh. And so in the act of making love and becoming one flesh physically, it's speaking of what has happened spiritually. Very important. It's, it speaks of that thing. Obviously, there are pragmatic elements also, um, but there's, there is also an element that it speaks of what is spiritually, um, spiritually true. The bread and the wine. See, we switched from big yeasty loaf to flat loaf a few years back. Why? Well, because actually the Bible does talk about this. It's to do with the Passover lamb. I haven't got time to go into it in detail. But actually it came to a point where we realised, you know what? Actually, biblically, it's important that we don't pass around a Big Mac and an orange squash. It's actually important. Why? Because actually the bread and the wine speak of the thing. The wine speaks of the blood of Christ. So he's inaugurated this, this act over the Passover meal and said, do this in remembrance of me. You can't just fiddle around with it and call it the same thing. Jesus said, do this. So we do it because it speaks of those things that Jesus has put in place. Likewise, baptism. I've died with Christ. I've been buried with him. I've been raised into newness of life. It speaks of the thing that it represents. So, um, and also I would say it is more than symbolic. I believe that. The, I, I searched, I did a Bible search to find the word symbol. I only found it once, and when I looked at the Greek, it's not in there. It's just been put in there, because they thought it was helpful, but I don't think it was helpful. Um, 
Okay? So the Bible doesn't talk about when you're baptised and you go down the water, it's a symbol of what happened. No, it says you were buried with Christ in baptism. You actually were. Now I know, it, for me it was 1991 when I got baptised in a swimming pool. For Jesus it was 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. I get it. I get that he, I wasn't there with him and he wasn't there with me. I get that physically. So then we can say, well, surely then it's just a symbol. Well, then I think what you've done is you've kind of gone somewhere else because you don't get it. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. Okay, I know I actually wasn't in the tomb with Jesus buried. I know I wasn't. Okay? I'm not saying I was. But my baptism was more than a symbol. In the spirit, through my baptism, I was buried with him. That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't say it was like that. It spoke of that. That's what it was. Romans 6 teaches all about that. So I just think we need to be able to say that. And often you will find a lot of opposition when people get baptised. A lot of opposition. They experience lots of spiritual opposition, and particularly lots of opposition from family and friends at the point of baptism. Why? Because it's powerful, that's why. It's a public breaking with what was and saying, I've been joined to Jesus. I'm going public with my love for Jesus. It's, it's that public, slightly strange act where you say, I know this is a bit weird and probably doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but I'm doing it because I love Jesus. There's the power there. It's massive. It's massively important. And there's something about really loving someone and going public. Imagine if I never spoke about Davina, ever. You know, and was just a bit cagey and stuff. You'd be like, what is up with that guy? <laughs> Do you really love his wife? And rightly so, you should be concerned. You should be concerned and you should be happy when I tell you how beautiful she is and how wonderful she is and, uh, you know, and hold her. And, uh, why? Because I'm saying, I love her. I love her. So it's totally out. It's totally public. There's nothing to hide. It's the same thing with baptism. I'm all about Jesus. It's changed my life. You know? And I would invite my family and my friends to come and watch. You know, they, 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 who knows? God may touch their hearts. God may not. But I want them to know that this is who I am. I died with Jesus. Raised up. It's an newness of life with him. Now I want to finish by saying, who's this hard for? This tends not to be hard for people that have been brought up in a really secular environment or, a really, uh, or an environment of other religion. It tends to be quite straightforward. And all the people that became Christians in the Bible were pretty much first generation. For the, so for them it wasn't, it wasn't like a big deal. There was no, so there was no category for unbaptized believer in the Bible. There isn't one. They're all baptized. It tends to be hard for those who have been either been a Christian a while and either um, sprinkled or immersed as babies or sprinkled as adults. And the way I'm talking today, it's going to create some difficulties because um, if you've had a long and clear history following Jesus, you've received the Spirit, you, you, as far as you're concerned, you're totally in with the Lord, you're totally following the Lord. It, it seems that maybe what I'm saying is throwing your current experience into question that I'm just saying things that you're like, oh, how can you, hold on a minute, are you saying that I'm not quite the full ticket? <laughs> you know, are you saying I'm not quite in or what, what are these? I, I totally get everything. Are you saying that when, when, I, when my parents took me and were baptised as a baby that, you know, what, that they were deceived or, you know, and they, all kinds of thoughts can come into people's minds. And what I would say is this, every, every devotional act coming out of a heart for Jesus Christ is beautiful and meaningful before God. Absolutely. Can a baby sprinkling be beautiful and meaningful before God? Of course it can. 
Of course it can. If it's done out of a heart of worship and wanting to honour the Lord and out of faith on the parents, of course it can. Can a confirmation be a beautiful and meaningful thing and before God and in his sight? Of course it can. I'm not throwing any, I'm not having any, saying anything dismissive or disdainful about that. Of course, massively. What I am questioning is, is that baptism? That's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm questioning whether it's baptism. I'm not saying it's not meaningful. Not at all. I wouldn't dare say a thing like that. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just saying I question whether it's baptism. And baptism is a big deal. So um, none of our particular experiences or history or traditions are trump cards for obeying Jesus. None of them are like, yeah, but you don't get it. Okay, but Jesus would be baptised. And, and with all of us, there'll be different things in our lives. It might not be this subject, but there'll be subjects where you hit something and you're like, oh, Jesus clearly says do that. And everything about my experience or my upbringing or my culture says, don't do that. What do I do? And all of us hit it. All of us hit stuff over the years in different ways. And I want to just say that obeying Jesus is always the best move. Um, and, it, 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 and if you can do it in a way that honours your background, in a way that honours your culture, in a way that honours your parents... Absolutely, absolutely. But the bottom line is, Jesus says, believe and be baptised. And he says it because he, he, wants, he, he wants you for himself. His love is a jealous, burning, transforming love. It's not a love that's just going to come in and he'll just kind of say, yeah, sure. No, you know the sort of Jesus uh, people maybe sometimes imagine, yeah, I'll come in, fine. You love them as well. And then, yeah, sure, no, no problem. I'll just kind of fit in. I'll find a little gap. No, he comes as Lord. He comes as Lord and Saviour. And you need to know that. And it's... And I just, you know, because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be like a used car salesman with you and just tell you what you want to hear. He comes as Lord. And there's nothing as wonderful and liberating as giving him the throne room of your heart. But it's challenging as well at times. It's t- and you've got you've to be able to grapple with it, think it through and say, is this Jesus? Is he God's son? Did this Jesus die for my sins so I could be totally forgiven? Did he rise from the dead so I could have everlasting life? Is he offering to forgive my sins and pour out his spirit to come and dwell inside of me forever? Because if he is, then I would put it to you that whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you've got to get to Jesus. Any questions? (laughs) Asia. So, moving water. Some people say you've got to be baptised in moving water. I think it's probably more of like, the reason why they would say that is because then your sins can be washed away. That's... That's the thinking that's going on there. Um, so it's kind of a nice picture, yeah? But it's not biblical command. In fact, they say that the, probably the reason why they were able to baptise 3,000 people on the same, at the same day, on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, was because there were some significant big water vats around. So it wouldn't have been moving water. So there's nothing in the Bible that tells us it has to be that. I think if there's a river nearby, great. Use it. But it's no, it's no big on that front. I would know. I wouldn't. I would know when. You know. I would never say to someone, "You're not baptized. You're not a believer." I would say, "You're not baptized. Why?" And and then if they said, "Well, do you know what? I know Jesus says I should do, but I'm not going to." Then I would question if they're a believer, because a believer is someone who calls Jesus Lord, and submits to His lordship. Yeah, is that okay? But you know, oftentimes it's just a really long conversation to be had. You need to hear people where they're coming from. You got to talk it through and. You know, you just got a journey with people because the last thing you want as well is people to be baptised when they actually don't get why they're doing. Just some bloke told them. If they don't, then, you know, 
Because anything that does not come from faith is sin, Romans 14, 23. So you've got, when you're baptised, it's got to be as an act of faith. You've got to get the fact, this is what the Bible actually teaches. I see it now. Um, I believe this is the word of God as a Christian, so I'm going to do it. But off, sometimes that will take numbers of quite long discussions to get there. So the thief, the thief on the cross is a brilliant example of someone who clearly was saved. But here's the issue. He couldn't have got baptised. That's very different from someone saying, I'm not going to get baptised. So we've got to clarify that. Yeah, so, you know, if you can't, then of course you can't. So, Gabes, is that you? Amen. I always always hate these moments. But I'm saying if someone has done done something as an act of faith, uh, because they love Jesus, and at at that point where they were, in terms of their knowledge and understanding, they thought that that was what they should do, there's no way God is going to despise that. God loves faith. But the, I would still say, but you need to be baptised. So I, I'm not saying it's a, it's, it, it's, it's a meaningful replacement for baptism. So you need to be baptised still. It's not a meaningful replacement for baptism, but it's meaningful in the sense that you did it out of a heart for Jesus. Maybe have some time to process it. Oh, man alive. Okay, Johnny. Great questions. If you're talking with someone, I'll take Tom, Tom's on first because it's easier. The question was, what if someone gets baptised um, by their own will when they're about 12 or 13, but then they would, when they're about 20, they look back and say, do you know what, I think it was actually when I was 16 that I really became a Christian. I thought I knew what I was doing, but actually looking back, I'm not sure. Do they need to get baptised again? So I think what you need to do is sit down, talk it out, and get them to a place where they can actually put their hand on their heart and say, do you know what? When that, when that happened, I did believe in Jesus. I was really immature. It was, the whole thing was really embryonic, but actually, I did know him. Or where they say, do you know what? I didn't. I was around the church and around Christians, but I met Jesus when I was 16. So you just need to talk with people until... You're not trying to impose your thing. You're trying to get them to, to process themselves. Was that an act of faith in Jesus? Or was it just something that either all the other guys in the youth group were doing it or whatever, so you just try, and with God's help, God will help to quicken memories so they understand, oh yeah, actually I remember that, I thought that, yeah, I did love Jesus, you know, or, so you just help people partially, just have the discussions until they're at a place where they're clear one way or the other, is what I would say. In terms of yours, Johnny, so John, did you hear Johnny's question? Do you want to say it, Johnny? And I'll repeat it for the recording. Johnny, do you want to say it until the recording? Okay. Um, so, I chose to be baptised when I was much younger and was sprinkled. Um, what does that mean if I need to get immersed? And is that just a public declaration saying, oh, I didn't understand fully back then, now I want to make it clear that I fully get what baptism's meant to be? And if that is the case, what happens spiritually? Is there something different that happens that didn't happen before? Golly. Um. <laughs> Anyone want my job? Right, Okay. I think what I would say is, because um, obviously we touched base a little bit about it a couple of months ago, didn't we? Just mention, talk, talk quick, quickly about it. I would say that it's um, definitely the... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would say both. I think I would say that, that if, you, if, if as a result of what you've heard from the Bible, you are convinced you should be immersed not by any force of personality or persuasion on my part, but if you feel what you've heard from the Bible is that you should be immersed, that is, that, that is baptism, then God will 
Honour your first step of saying, I feel I've seen it in a new way, therefore I want to be immersed. And I believe in the power and I believe in the power and the grace given by God in baptism that will be for your good. Well, I mean, so for example, with me, there have been times where some of my kids might have said, you know, um, I'd like to be baptised now. And I've thought, hmm. So what I've done is I've just sort of said, hey, let's talk about this and just ask them questions and really got, help, help, try to get them to a point where, where they probably actually get the fact that they need to do a bit more thinking. Um, you know, uh, I think that what I, don't, I, what I really w- want to guard against is mo- one of my kids being that kid, age 20, who says I got baptised when I was 10, but... Looking back, I wish I'd waited. You know, I don't really not going to pressurise, really just want to let them... But if you can see the life of God, I'm not looking for them to understand loads of stuff. If you can see these, they are born again, they're living for Jesus, then I'm not going to stand in the way of that. That would be wrong to the other extent too. Hello, our guest. Sure. Yeah, I guess what I would say is, I'm oh, sorry, in terms of for the recording, what, um, sometimes the logic behind baptising children is what if they don't make it to the age where they can make their own decision or make, what, if, what if mentally they, due to something being not quite right they're not able to make their decision then there's a sense, of, a sense of wanting to include them in the people of God through doing it I think I would say I totally I get the logic um, I really do and respect respect your logic and that you've thought it through so it's, it, you know, I really wouldn't want you to feel um, under attack in any way I think all I would say is that um, so what we often do is what we call baby dedications, where we, when the baby's born, we would sort of get them up and we'll just sort of say, you know, Lord, we, we just want to dedicate these back to you and say they're yours and they're on loan and, you know, we just want to bring them up as best we can in the faith and that kind of thing. That would be expressing our heart, but we'd want to reserve baptism for when they're able to make that decision because of the biblical order. When do they become Christians? I, no, I don't think so. I don't think a child can. I don't think a child. I don't think that a child um, who is um, uh, before the age where they can repent and believe can be a Christian. No. Am I therefore saying? Therefore, I believe all children who die before they make it into the Lord um, are damned. No, I'm not saying that. So. And I just want to say what the Lord said to us. Yeah, sure. So I want to uh, be clear that it's what the Lord said to us. I'm not saying. It's totally biblical, sure. okay? Because um, I think it's important to understand the difference. But yeah, I mean, uh, we've got three wonderful kids. Um, most of you know Josh because uh, he's at this church. Uh, actually, we lost our first. Uh, she only lived three days, and uh, you know, it's quite a long while ago now, so I can talk about it more easily. But uh, it was a concern for us because uh, I got called back to the hospital. Claire was still in hospital, and uh, jo- Joanna just had a, a heart murmur. And uh, obviously, you pray. And uh, the church prayed because we were at CCK, or Clarendon as it was then, prayed a lot uh, for her. But actually, you know, the Lord chose to take her. That's his decision. And, uh, and it is a very relevant question, because I agree with you, there needs to be a, a point at which you come to repentance. But we did feel, um, as we were praying, that uh, we were committing her to the Lord. And also, um, some of you may have heard of Dave Fellingham, one of the elders. He came to the hospital uh, to pray with us. And uh, she died, and we called him again. And as he came, uh, you may recall the story of David, uh, where he prayed for his son, and then his, his uh, son died. And, uh, and uh, David said, because they, they didn't want to tell him that his, the boy had died, because they were worried how he'd react. And he said, well, actually, he's not going to come back to me, but I'm going to go and be with him. It's totally what we believe about Joanna. And if you look at 
the God of the Bible, he's a God of mercy. He's not, a, you know, he's not saying you weren't old enough to repent. He's a God of mercy. Totally believe that actually Joanna is with the Lord. I believe that he has mercy on children. I, I, would, I wouldn't say don't baptise children. I actually go to an Anglican church now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not dead, dead against it or anything like that. But actually, you've got to remember God's a God of mercy. He's not going to say because you did or didn't sprinkle, that's going to make a huge difference. God is going to be merciful to our kids. I hope that's okay Thanks, to Brian, say that, Stefan. I'm sorry for it. calling no, no, that. You're all right. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. And uh, yes, Davina, that was the passage you were referring to in the Bible before <laughs> Brian got up. I will publicly uh, just... Uh, Ah, great. Listen, I mean, do you know what? It's about 20 past five. Got to pick the kids up at half five. It'd be great to just break bread. And um, there's probably so much more. I I just think, guys, it's good to wrestle through these things biblically. Okay? And what you must do is is order your life biblically. You've got to... If what I've said has thrown up loads of stuff, take it back, listen to it again, go to the scriptures. Okay? This is not to be a, a church where... Um, the final say is through the powers of persuasion of the preacher or the way he said it. It's the scripture that has the authority. That is the word of God. Okay? So it's really, really important you do that. Um, but if any of you here, as a result of today, say, you know what, I feel I need to get baptised, then it's good to let us know so we can arrange for a baptism Sunday. We'd love to do that. Just pray um, and hand over to... Thank you, Father, for helping us, even to thresh these things out publicly but well in a, in a good spirit Lord God and we just bless you for that and um, Lord thank you for our two guests here today Lord God and their contributions Lord God thank you they felt the freedom to be able to um, speak at, uh, Lord about what, what was on their heart Lord God and we just pray Lord God for us as a church that you would lead us into real good stuff lead us into wisdom lead us into, the, lead us into um, fruitfulness Lord, help us to really build really, really well. We want to build well. We want to honour you, want to obey you, want to follow you. So we love you, Lord. And as we take the bread and the wine now together, we just pray, oh God, that grace would be given to us in that. And your presence would be known and we'd just, uh, we would be built up by your spirit. Amen.